Hello, everyone. Good morning. I'm Laura Ha, as Andrew mentioned. And for those of you who might not know me, I'm the creative arts pastor here. I've been on staff at Bethany for about 21 years, give or take a few maternity leaves. And before that, I volunteered on worship teams. I'm truly passionate about helping people um, worship God through music together. And I love seeing creatives using their gifts to build up the church and to tell their stories of God. Though there have been ups and downs, of course, I'm grateful to do this work and I find it incredibly fulfilling. So although I feel quite comfortable on a platform, I've always recoiled at the idea of preaching. <laughs> this is actually a first time for me, and at least in front of the whole congregation. But Pastor Andrew has been threatening me for a while to give me a Sunday, <laughs> but I think ultimately challenging me to formulate and share my thoughts on worship. And though Part of me has been dreading it. I can honest, honestly say that now I'm excited to be sharing with you today and giving you some of my perspectives on worship. Well, we're in a series right now called Back to Basics, looking at some of the foundations of our faith. Therefore, I think it's very fitting and appropriate for the topic of worship to be included, as it's incredibly foundational to our faith. So many statements of belief from different Christian faith backgrounds, including the idea of worship as the first and foremost foundation of our faith. In fact, the Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So this means that our main purpose on this earth is to worship God, to bring glory to God, and then to enjoy and bask in this loving relationship with God in full enjoyment of him, both in this life and in heaven with him forever. So why is that? because we were created to worship. God designed us to worship. He gave us the natural desire to look for something outside of ourselves because he's placed eternity in our hearts. And we know that to be true because everyone worships something. Matthew Timblad, a professor at Talbot School of Theology, puts it like this. Look at rock concerts, football games, red carpet events. People go to extraordinary lengths to flock to those that they admire, hands raised high, even our bank accounts, our reputations, our highest level of prestige or power can easily become objects of obsession for us. In that sense, we worship them. So God isn't asking us to do something that is unnatural for us. Rather, he is redirecting our focus onto him. Through worship, we are redirecting our focus onto God. So if we accept the fact that we were created to worship God, I think in our effort to get back to basics, it's worthwhile to renew our understanding of worship. So for my sake, I thought I would try to keep this sermon outline simple and just try to answer a couple of questions. What is worship? Why do we worship? And finally, how should we worship? So we'll get started with the what and why, because as you'll see, they kind of play in tandem with each other. They're a little cyclical and they answer each other. What is worship? If someone were to ask you what worship is, how would you explain it? How would you describe it? Many of us might immediately think of singing in church. We might say that worship is a time of singing songs to God or about God. We might explain that there are many songs written as worship music and perhaps even answer the question, what's your favorite kind of music with, I listen to worship music. Maybe some of us would expand our answer to include the worship service. We go to church to worship for an hour on Sunday. Some of us might also include our home churches. We go to home church each week to worship. And of course, all of these things are worship, can be worship, and they represent a big part of what worship is. 
but it is far from the complete picture. And while I think many of us know that worship is so much more than that, the way our language and our behavior is shaped around worship, it often relegates it to an optional activity throughout the week or the top 10 Christian songs on our Spotify playlist. As a result, we can get trapped in this thinking. We can get trapped thinking that this is the only form of worship and then ultimately neglect the depth of what God is calling us. And I think that's an essential thing for us to consider. Are we neglecting or missing out on all that God has for us, on all that he desires for us, because our view and understanding of worship is too small? Well, about 15 years ago, I went with a friend on a three and a half week adventure trip to Peru. It was the longest time I'd ever been away from home, but I often credit this, this trip in helping me grow my understanding of God and how he speaks to me. For four of us in our group, the Inca Trail permits didn't work out. And at first we were disappointed, but we were able to do the Larry's Trail instead. This trail isn't as popular, so it was really incredible because there was hardly anybody around and we got to experience things so much more ruggedly and natural. Now, the Larry's Trail is at a very high altitude. And for anyone who's experienced high altitudes, you'll know how much of an impact it can be on simply walking, let alone trying to hike a mountain pass. So as we are trudging up the switchback trail and wondering if we could make it without stopping, or if we stopped, if we could even start again, feeling towards the end of our strength, our guide suddenly pulled out a Peruvian flute and he proceeded to play melodies for the next while until we reached the top. And clearly he knew the effect that that would have on us. This music made a marked difference in our strength and in our will to keep going. It grounded me. It encouraged me. And I don't know whether or not our guide knew Jesus, but most certainly God used his song to speak to me. Because as we reached the summit and my eyes were finally able to take in the incredible expanse of valley, river, lake in the distance, mountain range and sky that surrounded me, God revealed a piece of himself to me. As clearly as I'm speaking to you today, I knew God was teaching me an incredibly valuable lesson of his beauty and of striving and trusting and calling me to worship. Every subsequent mounting pass we did on that trail, accompanied by the sound of the flute, only solidified what God was teaching me. The hard work of the climb, a guide to help motivate us and encourage us to the top, and then each time seeing what lay before us in all of its majestic glory. This revelation from God, cloaked in the brilliance of his creation, even still brings me to my knees in praise of his greatness and in awe of his intimate and personal leading. What an incredible God that he would care this much about me. Now, this story doesn't necessarily explain what worship is, but for me, it explains why I worship. So I want to keep exploring this question of why to help us along. Why do we worship? Let's turn to the Psalms, which is a great book for exploring worship. Psalm 95 from the Message Translation says, Come, let's shout praises to God. Let's raise the roof for the rock who saved us. Let's march into his presence singing praises, lifting the rafters with our hymns. And why? Why all this praise? Because God is the best, high king over all the gods. In one hand, he holds deep caves and caverns. In the other, he grasped the high mountains. He made ocean. He owns it. His hands sculpted earth. So, come, let us worship. Let us bow before him, on your knees before God who made us. Oh yes, he's our God. And we're the people he pastures and the flock that he feeds. 
In this psalm, we're given a vivid picture that answers the question of why we worship. It's because of who God is and what he has done. We worship because God is the high king. We worship and bow down because he's big enough to hold the deepest cavern and the highest mountain at the same time. We worship because this immense God who sculpted the earth also leads and feeds us with the intimacy and protection of a shepherd guiding and nurturing his beloved flock. In this passage, it is demonstrated that we worship because of who God is and what he has done for us. Well, scripture has lots of other demonstrations of this. An aspect of God's character is manifested or someone has an encounter with God and the response is always worship. In Exodus 15, after God had miraculously delivered his people at the Red Sea, I love Miriam's response. She immediately took a tambourine and led all the women as they danced and played their tambourines. God's power was revealed and their response was worship. In Exodus 34, God told Moses after their incredible disobedience that he would show mercy. And what did Moses do? Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. God's mercy was revealed and Moses responded in worship. In Matthew 14, Jesus walked on the raging sea and calmed the storm. And how did the disciples respond? They worshiped him. In fact, it says they exclaimed, you really are the son of God. Here, Jesus' power and ultimately his Godship was revealed to them and they had no response but to worship. At the ascension, when Jesus was taken back to heaven and after his resurrection, Luke 24 tells us that the disciples worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And after they spent all their time in the temple praising God. So after years, spending years, quite literally journeying with Jesus, their response is worship and spending all of their time, all of their time praising. And in Revelation 4, in the very throne room of God, John has a vision of heaven. And in view of the incredible glory, those before God never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, set apart, higher than all others, powerful, beautiful, holy, holy, holy. So what is worship? Worship is our response. Our response to the greatness and goodness of God and his action in our lives. Worship is our praise and thanksgiving. Worship is our time, attention, and focus. Worship is our response to God. And why do we worship? Because of who God is and what he has done. He carved out the earth. He holds the heavens in his hand, and he gently leads and cares for us as a shepherd. So then, how do we worship in light of this great God that we have? Well, I'd mentioned earlier that we're in a series, Back to Basics. It is so fitting for the first two messages to have been on prayer and reading scripture and now worship. It's almost as if Pastor Andrew knows what he's doing, <laughs> because in order to worship, we have to know who God is. We have to have spent time with him. We can't respond to God in worship if we don't know him. Without reading, without knowing God's word, and without prayer to understand God's work in our lives, we cannot truly worship. Without being shaped by intentional time in relationship with Jesus, learning, knowing, and experiencing who he is, without learning to test and listen to the Spirit's leading and revealing in our lives, we cannot truly worship. Our songs, our service, and our sacrifice are nothing more than meaningless motions because our worship must pour from a love and desire to know Jesus 
and to be known by Jesus. So how do we respond to God in worship? By knowing him, by knowing him. And what I love about this picture of knowing God's revelation through scripture and through prayer and our choosing to worship in response to him is its cyclical nature to encourage our growth as disciples. As we understand God more, we respond in praise. When we offer up praise, we experience more of God's presence. As we spend time in his presence, we are more honest of our own weaknesses and need for him. And we, when we are honest and confess our sins, we can know his mercy and forgiveness. And when we grasp his acceptance, we can safely lament our grief and our sorrow. When we cry out to him, we realize in a real way his grace and provision. And on and on and on, the depth of knowing God, our creator, his immense love and care for us and responding to him in worship. God desires our worship so that we can know him, so that he can pour his blessings on us. He wants to see us fulfilled to all that he has created us to be. Listen to these incredible words from Jeremiah. God says, and I will give them one heart and one purpose to worship me forever for their own good and for the good of their descendants. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good for them. I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me and they will never leave me. Worship is for our own good to keep us focused on God and he will never stop doing good for us. Now, because I keep crying when I was writing this section and several times when I was practicing this section, I thought it would be a good time to pause, to take a moment to collectively respond in worship. So I'd like, to, I'd like us to listen to a song together. It's by Sinak, a Nigerian recording artist. Her inspiration in writing it was while meditating on Genesis 12, God's promised blessing to Abram. This song flowed out of her response to God. And my prayer for each of us as we participate in this moment together, singing or listening, that God would, re that God would reveal something of himself to us and that we would respond in worship together. Let's listen now and engage our hearts.
Amen. We can worship because we know God. We have experienced his goodness. And we can respond to him. So we worship by knowing God. But another way we worship is by living lives of worship. Several years ago, we did a sermon series here at Bethany called Worship 168. We chose this title to communicate the point that worship goes much beyond an hour on Sunday. There are 168 hours in a week, and worship should be something that is lived every single hour. Throughout the series, we had different people share their own expressions of worship, ranging from a gardener to a sound mixer to a school teacher and a rapper and several more all using their unique talents and gifts to express their love to God. And it was a great reminder of all the ways that we can offer worship. Scripture is also full of these encouragements for us to worship with all that we are and everything we have. Romans 12:1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Here, Paul is pleading for us to respond to God, to respond to all that he has done for us by being a living sacrifice. I love the way the message explains it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Everyday, ordinary, just walking around, all for the glory of God. Colossians 3.23 continues, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Bringing glory to God in whatever we do, every moment of life, every task, every walk, every nap, every interaction, every meal, every prayer, every song, in fact, every breath is an opportunity to worship. We can choose to give God glory and give him our worship all 168 hours a week. So how do we worship? By knowing God. How do we worship? By living lives of worship. Now, a lot of what I've been talking about worship and how we should respond has largely been on an individual level. level. Yes, of course, we should respond when we're alone, And some aspects of worship and connecting with God can be and need to be intensely personal and private. But I think another mistake that we can make when we think about worship is considering it only a private thing. Because another way that we should worship is in community. In an effort to paint the picture that worship is so much more beyond an hour on Sunday, it can be really easy to also forget the importance of that hour on Sunday, or the hour that you meet as a home church or a youth small group or really any time the people of God gather. Because gathering is worship. And worshiping together is integral to our faith. And growing in Jesus through community is essential for us to thrive. We need each other. We badly need each other. I want to read from Hebrews 10, which is also one of my favorite passages. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The writer to the Hebrews knows that we cannot do it alone. We need each other. In light of what God has done for us, let's think of ways to motivate each other. In light 
of what God has done for us. Let's encourage one another. In light of what God has done, let us not neglect meeting together. Let's make gathering a priority so that we can encourage each other, so that we can motivate each other. And obviously gathering in this strange season (laughs) will look differently for people with different comfort levels and situations, but we shouldn't ever give up on connecting in worship together, whether that's in person, online, or however we might gather. The priority here is worshiping together because we need each other. When we come together to worship in community, we are helping to disciple each other. So on the same trip to Peru that I mentioned before, I learned another valuable lesson. As I said, it was the longest time I'd ever been away from home and I was getting a little homesick. And being a worship director, not to mention the daughter of a pastor, I haven't missed very many Sundays in my lifetime. And towards the end of this trip, I was exploring in the town square of Arequipa and I came across an evening church service. I wandered in, there was singing that I recognized and though in Spanish, I instantly felt at home. I instantly felt connected to the people in the service and it was so nourishing to my soul. And I experienced then that through his worshiping people, God can speak soul to soul. He can transcend culture and language. This was a very marked moment for me to learn the power of God's global community and how we are all connected. In her book, The Next Worship, Sandra Van Opstel says, the authority of the Lamb, Christ himself, The power of the Spirit and the majesty of God are the only things that can unite a group of people from all over the world in a common anthem, the common anthem of worship. I find that so incredible. We are all connected through Jesus. And if we are functioning properly as the body of Christ, we will not only experience incredible unity across cultures and languages and statuses, we will experience and understand Jesus more fully because we need each other to do that. On any given Sunday morning or any other community that I find myself in, either leading or participating, seeing how each of you respond to God together gives me so much encouragement. It helps me on my journey because I know then that God is working. When I see people in the foyer greeting and talking about life together or even sharing and praying together, When I see, when I get to sing alongside the family weathering a cancer diagnosis, lifting hands in praise, demonstrating their reliance on God, or when someone shares their story of how God has been teaching them or providing for them, these are all moments that I've experienced here that have strengthened and encouraged my faith. We need each other. So how many of us come to church or home church knowing our reason for being there is more than just ourselves, more than just what we get out of it. Do you come to these gatherings knowing this? Do you come anticipating to be a blessing as you interact in the foyer, as you sing, as you listen? Your openness, your expectancy to meet with Christ in community just might be the very encouragement that someone else needs that day your willingness to be honest before God and each other, even in times of lament, is a blessing to others. Or when you sit in the living room of your home church, are you there with the intention to learn about Jesus through another's experience, to grow and to respond in worship because of how God is working in someone else? In any Jesus-centered community, is your mindset to be an encouragement to others? That part of why you show up is to creatively spur one another on in our walks with Jesus. 
sharing what God is doing in your life is your act of worship. It builds up the body. This is how disciples are made. This is how communities are changed. Because as we grow in Christ through worship together, we are better equipped to worship 168 hours every moment of life. In the book, Work and Worship, the authors talk about how when we gather in worship, it should always turn into scattered worship out in our streets. And they give this incredible picture. A healthy heart systolic pressure will disperse freshly oxygenated blood throughout the body. It will do so with great force. In the same way, a healthy sanctuary must produce a strong systolic push to send workers into the world. So imagine that we're collectively a bunch of red blood cells and any gathering or Jesus-centered community is the heart and lungs. And it's here in this heart and lung community that we become reoxygenated, reoriented and encouraged through the presence of God in each other. And then we are pushed out to continue the work of worship in our families, communities and our workplaces. Worship 24 seven, worshiping with every breath we take doing everything for the glory of God. So how do we worship? We worship by knowing God, by living lives of worship, and we worship by participating in community. Worship is so broad and wide and all-encompassing of our entire lives. Worship is our praise, our thanksgiving, our acts of service, a way to be filled and inspired, a way to encourage each other and experience incredible community. Worship expresses our fears, our worries and griefs, and our reliance and dependence on God. Worship embodies our trust and our love for God. It is our greatest weapon, our greatest evangelism, and our greatest response to the creator of the universe, to the creator of each one of us. Two Sundays ago, Andrew's challenge to us was to pray every day. However you connect with God to make that prayer relationship a priority. Last week, Andrew challenged us to read scripture every day, to listen or read, and then to ask God to shape you through his word every day. And so as we close today, my challenge to you for this week is to continue with both of these challenges. Pray, read scripture every day, both personally and in community, because our response of worship can only grow through learning and experiencing God. Only when we open our hearts up to God's revelation and action in our lives can we deepen our worship and can we learn to make every breath an act of worship. So that this week, continue to read and pray and keep watching for God's work in our lives so that you may respond with worship. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for your incredible loving kindness. We are grateful that we can trust in your faithfulness and in your presence and your work in our lives. God, we know that you want to bless us and grow us as we learn to worship you. So help us to do that. Help us to be sensitive to your spirits. Help us to see you and know you and grow in our love and trust of you. And then God, I pray that we would explode in worship and creativity and that living for you would touch every facet of our lives so that the world would see you and be drawn to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, as a benediction, I want to read a quote from A.W. Tozer. As God dwells in your thoughts, 
you will be worshiping and God will be accepting. He will be smelling the incense of your high intention, even when the cares of life are intense and activity is all around you. If God knows that your intention is to worship him with every part of your being, he has promised to cooperate with you. On his side is the love and grace, the promises and the atonement, the constant help and the presence of the Holy Spirit. On our side, there is determination, seeking, yielding, and believing. Our hearts become a chamber, a sanctuary, a shrine, in which there may be continuous, unbroken fellowship and communion with God. Our worship rises to God moment by moment. As we leave this place, or turn off your TVs, may our response be worship, and may our worship rise to God moment by moment. And we hope to see you back here next week.